So when I was new to following God, I was trying to figure out how to grow, how to become who God created me to be. And I'd heard people describing their relationship with God as like he was a heavenly father. At the time, I had a strained relationship with my dad, so that didn't really help me. I'd heard others describe Jesus as closer than a brother. Well, my brother and I were more like rivals at that point, and so again, didn't really compute. And I would hear people describe their relationship with God as, as having a best friend. And I wanted to experience that, but I didn't really understand what that meant. And I had friends who talked about their amazing time praying with God, and I still didn't fully understand how to go about that. But I understood that prayer was a pathway to a closer relationship with God, but I struggled with prayer. I would get distracted. As I said last week, I would kneel at the side of my bed and just sleep there all night. I had enjoyed starting to read the Bible and even started to memorize verses, but I could not seem to get into any real rhythm when it came to praying. So I decided to come up with a, a new plan. I was uh, helping as a youth pastor at a church near the campus where I was going to school, and so I reserved the prayer room for an all-night prayer session. And I brought with me some snacks and some drinks, my Bible, a journal, and I was going to spend all night praying. And I began by praying out loud. I mean, I had the room all to myself, and, and it was a kind of good beginning. And then I thought I would read some of the prayers in Ephesians. Ephesians chapter 1, Ephesians chapter 3, like thinking, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm already starting to run out of things to say, and so I'll just start praying some of the prayers I know that are in the Bible, and I don't know how far I got into reading in Ephesians. All I know is I woke up the next morning asleep on my Bible, and not only had I slept, but it was 10 o'clock in the morning. I'd slept for 11 hours. I don't normally sleep that long ever. And I was so embarrassed and even so ashamed, and I asked God to forgive me, and I, and I put my stuff together knowing I had to go off for another meeting that day, and, and I just had this thought that I think was from God. Stop trying to hit home runs and just hit a single. Now, for those of you unfamiliar with baseball, when I was a kid, it was America's sport. And actually, baseball, the best play is the home run. The problem with the home run is the people who normally hit the home runs are also the ones who strike out the most because they're swinging for the fences. They're over-swinging and they're missing the ball, and so they might go games without a hit only to finally hit a home run. But the teams that had players who got on base the most just hitting singles were actually the teams that would win. And so I sensed that God was just trying to encourage me. I didn't have to try to hit a home run every few weeks or every few months, but the every day to spend a little bit of time with God. And I started to make some adaptations. I couldn't really pray kind of kneeling at the bed, and so I started to write down my prayers in journals. When I was in high school, I started my, my first journal. I was 15 years old, and I would just write down what happened that day and what I wore and how much I spent. <laughs> I don't know why, but I just was uh, just taking keeping track of all that was happening in my life. And that kind of daily routine shifted into turning my journal into prayers. And it's been so amazing to go back and look at 
God's answers to prayer, or even the times he said no, and I am so glad he did. Or even those times in my life where I was so overwhelmed or concerned about something that I had even forgotten had ever happened. In fact, I have forgotten more miracles than I can remember of the ways that God has intervened in my life. Another thing I do is I go on prayer walks. And actually, it's been incredibly helpful to just actively in nature, whether it's with my wife or on my own, just walk and talk with God. I wish that I had understood the importance of prayers earlier in my life. But I want to encourage you today, wherever you are in your journey with God, that prayer can be that pathway for you. I mean, how would you describe your prayer life? Are, are you consistent? Are you not even sure about prayer at all? Are you only going to God in emergencies? Or have you given up on prayer? It just feels like you're talking to the wall. Or have you had moments where you've experienced the peace that God's presence can bring? Have you experienced his guidance in the midst of prayer? I would guess that most of us could say wherever we're at that it could get better. This might surprise you. In the Journal of the Scientific Study of Religion, taken just in 2021, just a couple years ago, nearly 30% of Americans pray for over five minutes a day. 32% pray uh, say grace daily. They pray over their meals. And 21% of Americans meditate daily. Now, among those who pray, the typical prayer lasts around a minute or two. For nearly 40% of Americans and a little over 5% of Americans pray for half an hour or more whenever they pray. So only 5% pray for half an hour or more. But most people, if they pray, it's just for a minute or two. Which of these statistics describe you see prayer doesn't only have to be verbal we can actually connect to God through our thoughts throughout the day but some of us ghost follow God it's like we're watching his Instagram feed and we might even like his content maybe even make a comment or two but we don't engage in the relationship in the way that our soul needs because he offers the content we all need. It's like if we go to him once a week, which is better than not at all, or twice a week. You come on Sundays and you go to a, a gateway group, which is still better. But some of you have learned to go to him daily, including several days of the week on your own. But you and I have access to God at all times and at any time. So we... We can move beyond just once a week or twice a week or, or once a day to having communion with God throughout the day, having constant engagement, asking God's spirit to give us the right words in the middle of that tough conversation at work, praying the prayers of the Bible over our children, or even as silly as it might sound, asking God for that parking spot to finally open up. It can be constant interaction. For some of us, we need to remove the, the box of formality and religion that we've relegated prayers to. We, we think we don't have the right words to say, but it's just learning to talk to God. Years ago, I was taking the kids, our teenagers, from Gateway South on a mission trip up to Minnesota. 
And I told this story of a NASCAR driver who had retired and was asked to pray at the end of a race. And at the end of the race, he, I'm sorry, before the race. And so he's praying and he's praying. And as he's praying, he realizes he cannot remember the, the words to sign off at the end. He couldn't remember in Jesus' name, amen. It just, his mind had gone blank. I don't know if he was not a regular prayer or, or if he just was trying to be more formal than he needed to. And he just ended the prayer with sincerely, Jim Johnson. <laughs> and so I told the kids, you don't have to have all the right words. Just start praying. Just start talking to God. And so after the end of that devotional, I asked if any of the kids would like to pray. My daughter, eighth grade at the time, raised her hand. I was kind of surprised. She was kind of reluctantly part of this mission trip. And she prayed, and at the end, she ended it with sincerely, Trevi Bryant. That's when I knew, oh, that's why she wanted to pray. She, she wanted to call back. You don't have to have a formal, religious-sounding prayer. It's just talking to your Heavenly Father who loves you, who wants to hear from you. Whether or not you believe in prayer or whether or not you feel like you know how to pray, this series last week and what we're talking about today and next week is designed to help you discover the power of connecting to God through prayer, the pathway to connecting with Him, that you might find the comfort, the hope, the healing, the peace, His presence in your life. Casper read for us a little earlier out of Luke 11. The disciples would see Jesus leave. He would withdraw to go pray. And sometimes he'd be gone for hours and come back seemingly refreshed and ready to move the mission forward. And so they were curious. And they wanted to understand this. And so they asked him to teach them how to pray. And, and these are the words. Here's the story. Luke 11. One day Jesus was praying in a certain place. And when he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray just as John taught his disciples. He's talking about John the Baptist. Jesus' cousin who had started a, a spiritual awakening just before Jesus. So then Jesus says this, when you pray, say, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. May your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us each day our daily bread. Forgive us our sins, for we also forgive everyone who sins against us. And lead us not into temptation. Now, some of us grew up memorizing this. Maybe you quoted it in church. And sometimes, if that's true in your life, it, it may be still an essential part of how you even connect with God each day. Or maybe it, it be started to lose its meaning. It became so familiar. Or, or maybe you grew up in an environment, a religious environment, where it was actually a form of punishment. You confess, and your punishment is to say 100 our fathers to be forgiven. See, instead, we need to see this prayer from Jesus as a guide to remember to pray for what we need and share with him what we want and trust him with everything. Let's walk through this so that we know how to pray according to Jesus. First, it starts with our father. A reminder that God is personal and loving. Hallowed. That means Holy, set apart. In other words, there is no one like God. That 
we represent him. We make his name greater when we live a life that honors him. Your kingdom come. Jesus' primary message was that the kingdom of heaven is here. Our most effective prayers are when we pray the heart of God according to his word and his will. He wants us to bring more of heaven to earth everywhere we go. Our daily bread, it's not weekly bread, but a fresh everyday dependence on him. Like we see in the story of the people of Israel in the wilderness when they had manna every day, they had just enough for that day. Forgive us. It reminds us of our need for God and our need to be in right relationship not only with him but with other people. In fact, this is part of what makes followers of Jesus unique and different from the rest of the world, our willingness to forgive rather than take revenge. And then lead us not into temptation. It's an acknowledgement that we need God's help out of temptation. He always has a way out. God never tempts us, but he might allow us to be tempted. But he always has a way out. See, when we give in to temptation, it actually hurts us, those we love. And even dishonors the one we say we follow. But then Jesse, our Gateway Buda campus pastor, pointed out that often we pray the Lord's Prayer. If we pray it, we pray it backwards. God, save me, deliver me. Oh yeah, forgive me, Lord. And by the way, I need some daily bread. Like I got bills to pay, that kind of bread. May your kingdom come. And you are great, God. Thanks. The Lord's Prayer was actually in the news this week. I don't know if you saw this. The pilot of the new Artemis crew is Victor Glover. And he said this. When Jesus was teaching the disciples to pray, he used that very specific prayer that we all know. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. So listen, I'm a messenger of his kingdom, that his will be done. Now he went on to ask people to pray for the crew and their families as they take on this mission. And if you're unfamiliar with Artemis, but we're actually going back to the moon. It's been a while, but we're going back. And I want you to think of all the things that have to go right. On this particular mission, they're getting in a vehicle that has never flown with people in it. And they're doing a flyby. They're traveling more than 200,000 miles to loop around the moon, going about 4,600 miles to the far side before gravity catches them and pulls them around and points them back to Earth for their return journey. One space journalist, what a cool title for a job, right? Space journalist, said their job is to break in a new transportation system and come home to tell everyone about it. Breaking it in involves testing whether a craft that has never flown with people in it can sustain life. Now, I found it remarkable that in this profession, I mean, Victor Glover is the top 1% of the 1%. He'll be the first black astronaut to orbit the moon. And in this article, he talks about the importance of prayer and bringing, bringing God's kingdom to earth as it is in heaven. Or in this case, I guess, God's kingdom to the moon as it is in heaven. Now, it's easy to pray when our life depends on it. We cry out to God in desperation in those times, like 
We need a miracle to survive, and it's important to do that. Those prayers are valid and necessary and important. But do we also pray when things are going well? Do we also thank God when those prayers are answered? When we're at the bottom and can only look up, it feels like God is our only hope, and that's usually when he hears from us. But if he's our heavenly father, he wants time with us all the time. I love it when my kids call, even if it's for help. I like it more when they're calling to tell me all the great things they've done, all the wonderful things they were experiencing. I enjoy both. How are we connecting with God? God desires us to always come to him. Whether our career is on a rocket trajectory or we're stuck in Houston, we have a problem mode. You and I, we need God. We need to pray. We need to pray as much on our best day as we do on our worst day. In John chapter 15, Jesus told his disciples, apart from me, you can do nothing. I mean, sure, we can do a lot of important things, maybe even good things, but apart from him, we'll never do any God things. Things that last, things that bring heaven on earth. Prayer is the oxygen our spiritual lungs need. And you may have noticed the Lord's Prayer is a community prayer. And it has this beautiful spirit of submission and dependence. It envisions a community that walks with God and looks to Him for everything from food to forgiveness. But it begins with this moment where Jesus uses the plural you, when you pray. A better translation would say, when y'all pray. Right? When y'all pray, pray our Father. Our Father. Together, we're part of a family. Anyone who says yes to following Jesus becomes a son, becomes a daughter. And together, we're encouraged by Jesus to pray with each other. Praying together affirms our unity, our sense of family. And it's easy in our very individualistic society to forget that. But community before God... Even sharing the same goals and intercession is a major part of growing in our faith. Let's keep going in Luke 11. It says this, Then Jesus said to them, Suppose you have a friend, and you go to him at midnight and say, Friend, lend me three loaves of bread. A friend of mine on a journey has come to me, and I have no food to offer him. And suppose the one inside answers, Don't bother me. The door is already locked, and my children and I are in bed. I can't get up and give you anything. I tell you, even though he will not get up and give you the bread because of friendship, yet because of your shameless audacity, he will surely get up and give you as much as you need. Jesus invites us to pray with shameless audacity. What a beautiful thought. See, God honors bold prayers because bold prayers honor God. Prayer is meant to be persistent because persistent prayer is powerful. Now, is God just trying to see if we really mean it? Why doesn't he just answer the first time? Why do we need to be persistent? I felt like this quote was really helpful. William McGill once said, the value of persistent prayer is not that God will hear us, 
but that we will finally hear him. You see, as we are going to God over and over, it might shift what we begin asking for as we start listening and not just telling. See, God is a father who constantly wants us pulling on his pant leg. God loves it when you blow up his inbox. To him, it's not spam. Right? We don't annoy him. We don't bother him. He doesn't leave us on red. He longs to hear from us every day throughout the day. He doesn't block the call, doesn't screen your messages. He wants to hear everything. The idea is not that God is trying to get us to beg him for what we want, but trust him for what we need, which may not be exactly what we think. You see, this story that Jesus tells, if a person who's just a friend is annoying us, and we will do what they ask. How much more will our Heavenly Father who loves us listen to us when we come to Him with our hearts open, with the concerns in our life? And as we come to Him, it might shift what we ask for. As I talked about last week, David, who became king, would write these psalms, and in it he would complain and beg God for certain things to happen. And regardless of how much he felt overwhelmed. He would always end his prayers. But even still, God, I will trust you. No matter what you might say, I will trust you. I wonder, can you think of a time in your life when you're gl glad that God did not say yes to your prayer requests? <laughs> it sounds like a lot of you remember a time. It may have been a job that you just thought would be perfect for you. But in the end, God had something so much better. Just a little later. Could have been that relationship that you really thought was what he wanted for your future. But in the end, it was so much unhealthier than you could even see. There's actually this old saying attributed to Augustine in the year 427. That we should pray as if everything depended on God. And work as if everything depended on you. Now as someone who struggled with being a workaholic. Someone who struggled with not being dependent on God as I truly need to be, I've changed this quote. No offense to Augustine, one of the great church fathers, but I think he should have said it this way. Pray as if everything depends on you, and work as if everything depends on God. See, I mean, it, this means that our prayer can continue to be urgent. It needs to be urgent. God has to do something dramatic if everything depends on me. But it also puts our work in the right place perspective if it depends on God then we can let it go we can work hard but leave the outcome up to him see and God desires for us to come to him not just in emergencies and not just once a day but throughout the day just a couple passages about this first Thessalonians 5 says rejoice always pray continually give thanks in all circumstances for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus Throughout the day, continually, always. Or this one, 1 Chronicles 16. Glory in his holy name. Let the hearts of those who seek the Lord rejoice. Look to the Lord in his strength. Seek his face always. And God wants to answer our prayers. Like it says at the end of Luke 11, the passage we've been reading. So I say to you, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. 
For everyone who asks receives, the one who seeks finds, and to the one who knocks, the door will be open. Which of you fathers, if your son asks for a fish, will give him a snake instead? Or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? Remember, he is a father who wants to give good gifts to his kids. And he knows what's best for us. That quote I mentioned last week is worth repeating. Tim Keller said, God always answers your prayers in precisely the way you want them to be answered. If you knew everything he knew. This is the confidence, 1 John 5 says this, this is the confidence we have in approaching God. That if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have what we asked of him. He hears us when we go to him. Prayer is not telling God what to do, but aligning our heart with his heart for us. So I want to encourage you to come up with a plan that works for you. Just try to hit a single every single day. No need to hit a home run every once in a while. Just try to be consistent. And perhaps start with the Lord's Prayer. It's a beautiful outline that gives us that path to stay in tune with God's heart for our lives. Maybe meditate on the Lord's Prayer. Biblical meditation means contemplating or thinking about a passage of Scripture. The Hebrew word for meditation literally means chewing, to chew, chewing on a passage. You're thinking about it, mulling it over, considering what the author must have meant and thinking about all the angles of the passage, even thinking and praying about how to apply what you're reading to your life. See, biblical meditation is different than most forms of meditation, which try to empty your mind. Biblical meditation is about filling your mind with all that's best for us. There's an acronym in Philippians 4.8 that I think is helpful. If you're thinking about things, replace, and it's negative, and it's taking you in a dark place, replace those thoughts with connecting with God and Thinking about, meditating on those things that are pure, praiseworthy, lovely, admirable, noble, true, excellent, and right. I rearranged the words in Philippians 4.8 to spell the word planter. Uh, it was as good as I could get it. But it's a great reminder that whatever you sow or plant is what you reap. What you think about affects how you feel, how you think and how you act and how you live. When you take those anxious, dark thoughts and use that as your reminder to go back to God and instead pray and ask for God to bring more purity, more praiseworthiness, more loveliness. When you meditate on those things that are admirable, noble, true, excellent, and right, it right-sizes our thoughts. A friend of mine in my men's online group, Wednesday mornings, uh, his name's Ed, been a part of Gateway South for years. He does something so unique. He has this, this app that tells him if he gets deep sleep or not. And one of the things he does, because this starts to happen to you, for those of you who are younger, I hate to say this, this is not prophetic, it just seems to happen. You wake up in the middle of the night to go to the bathroom. It just happens. 
when you get to a certain age. And for some of us workaholics like myself, sometimes I wake up and I think, well, since I can't go back to sleep, there's a lot of work I could get done at 3 in the morning. No one will interrupt me, right? That's not the right thing. And so what Ed's done is he listens to the Gospel of John at three-quarter speed. And he just turns it on, and it just goes. And it's amazing, he said, how he's been able to just allow his heart and mind just to be saturated with God's Word. And even with that on, he not only has gone back to sleep and might wake up to hear just different parts here and there, he actually, on his little app, says he's sleeping a deeper type of sleep than he was before. Or maybe it's, and by the way, the Bible app, if you don't have this, add it to your phone. The Bible app, it's called Version, And that's what he uses to listen. You can listen to the Bible. You can read the scriptures. Or memorize the Lord's Prayer. You can start with memorizing the Lord's Prayer. And there are other prayers that you can memorize. As I mentioned, Ephesians 1, Ephesians 3. There are praises. There are laments. There's the serenity prayer. Sometimes these prayers give us the words that we need when we don't have the words that we need. It helps us refocus or get started. One of the advantages of biblical meditation and memorizing prayers is that God often uses his word to speak to us. So if you're adding more of God's vocabulary to your heart and mind, anytime a phrase or a verse from the Bible comes to mind, more than likely it's God speaking to you, whispering to you what you need in that moment. And then there's also praying with others. This week, in the, throughout the series, at gatewaychurch.com slash digging deeper, which I highly recommend you use every week. But it has a new section where, as a church, we're going to pray together. We're praying in all of our groups. In fact, our groups, we have heal groups and belong groups and grow groups and serve groups. And if you're not in a group, pray with your Roommates or your family, use Digging Deeper, or, or perhaps join a group. In fact, that's what you got when you came in. That little sheet was how to be a part of a Sunday serve group. But our groups are praying together throughout this series, and we'll continue to do so. But what if we became people in tune with Jesus and what he wants for our lives? What if we were able to experience God's presence, his peace, and his guidance? You know what would happen? We would bring more of heaven to Austin. We'd bring more of heaven to our home, to our neighborhood, to our workplace. God would use us to be the answer to our own prayers. We would live at peace with others because we're able to forgive and ask for forgiveness.